good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victors. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm Awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues and human issues are Native issues. You're absolutely right, Dega. And this portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. Hey, we're going to have Nathan Wright on in just a couple seconds here. Uh, but first, I wanted to just uh, talk about a couple things and uh, before we get Nathan on. And one of them is uh, Red Lake uh, is going crazy up there. I don't know if you've seen the reports, but uh, it's a new day up in Red Lake with uh, their uh, their native care where their dispensaries open. The parking lot's full. I've been seeing live footage up there from people. And there's uh, blocks around, uh, lines around the block. So uh, good up for uh, Red Lake Nation. Yeah, that's huge. Glad to glad to see. Glad to hear the updates that they're busy, and hopefully it continues to stay that way. Yeah. Well, and then what I like too about the 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 whole law and uh, part of the law is to get some people out of prison that uh, had petty misdemeanors selling weed over the years and uh, let's take care of this uh, and also uh, good ups of Red Lake Nation. Hey, before we get Nathan on, what else do you got would we have cooking here before uh, we before we forget because I have a good memory but it's short. Yes. So as we were talking yesterday um, on air with Dr. Stately about uh, NAC's full moon ceremony that they had last night, uh, the American Indian Family Center is doing their full moon ceremony tonight, this Tuesday, August 1st. And that will be taking place at 730. And that will be at the Belwyn Cons- uh, Conservancy Wetlands Classroom. And that's at 1553 Stagecoach Trail South in Afton, Minnesota. That's awesome. And what else you got? I think there's uh, some other things happening here. Well, it is August 1st, so... I'm sure a lot of people are celebrating today, as we know, and we've talked about before uh, with Representative Jessica Hansen about the First Avenue Legalized It event that's happening today. I believe doors opened at five. Right. So if you wanted to be there on time, head on down there. That's at First Ave. Tickets today are $12, and this is for anyone 18 and up. So go on and celebrate that with the DJs. I know they're going to have some special guests too that you won't want to miss out on. Yeah. Some speakers. And, uh, so the, you know, and some surprise speakers. So it's just a, a big marijuana day here in uh, Minnesota and good ups to Red Lake nation up North where they are, uh, selling weed to people and making money. So good for them. And, uh, I don't partake and haven't partaked in 40 years, but uh, I know uh, it's medicine for some people, but it's also a thing. So, hey, why don't we, uh, well, Nathan just disappeared there. We're going to add him. There he is. Hey, welcome, Nathan. It's our friend Nathan from uh, from Michigan, and we got a lot to talk about here, and I'm so glad. Uh, I feel like you're our correspondent, Nathan. I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on, and uh, we're going to talk uh, some sacred stuff, but uh, let everybody know, because we have new listeners and all the time, who you are and where you are. Sure, sure. Well, my name is Nathan Wright. I'm here in Petoskey, Michigan. Uh, I am a business owner. I own a company called Herbalodge. But I also, uh, more importantly for this show, I'm on here a lot as a representative of Mackinac O'Day, which is a indigenous-led group that looks after protecting the environment, including Line 5 and uh, other environmental-related issues. Yeah, right on. And, you know, speaking of environmental issues, we got a, a season coming up here, and I think we were going to talk a little bit about that. And, uh, I, you know, we, we have a lot of people, we have a lot of white allies that listen to this show, and uh, I'd, I'd love to see if you could school these people on some ricing or what you do up there. Sure, sure. So um, 
uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you was I uh, wanted to talk about the legislation that we're trying to put here in Michigan. Um, but before I get to that, I wanted to just show you real quick some of the the work that the local community here, Little Travers Bay Band, uh, and some of their citizens have put together, uh, which is this GMON itself. Uh, and when, when they were building this, and I, I wasn't particularly here for this particular build, but when they built this, um, uh, I actually got sick right when they were building it, so I had to miss out on it. But it's nice... I know in Minnesota, you have a lot of people that are there building canoes. In Michigan, we don't really. Matter of fact, when we built this canoe here in Michigan, we were probably the only ones, uh, or they were the only ones that were actually building it at the time. And the canoe, the Gmon, at one point, there was probably, especially this time of the year, there was probably thousands of them being built throughout the whole Great Lakes area. You know, like every day, there was probably someone building a Gmon. So when you're building stuff like that, you kind of really connect to your ancestors and you think about the stuff that they went through. And of course, as we know, this was our vehicle. This was our, our, our car and, and, and our, our I-75, which is our main road here. Like you have 94 in Minnesota. Ours is I-75. Our oh, we just lost him. We, we oh. love Nathan. Oh, there you are. You just got back. Cool. There okay. you are. <laughs> We have our I-75 here in Michigan, which is our main highway going from Detroit all the way up to Sault Ste. Marie. But it used to be um, the Indian River, which traveled from Petoskey, Michigan, or at least that was one of the points, all the way to Manitoulin Island over in Canada. So um, a very important vehicle, so to speak, that mm -hmm. also led us to uh, why we came here to the Great Lakes to begin with, which, which, which was for Manuman for our mm -hmm. wild race which is right here. This is last year, probably not in the greatest shape for you guys, the wild races out there. I didn't, this bag was kind of sitting out on the shelf, but just to give you an idea. Mm -hmm. And then of course our push poles, which is um, our Y poles, push poles, which we're kind of starting to get fancy with. We're starting to put like brass on there, designs oh. and stuff like that. And, um, and then of course, this is the ultimate for anyone that likes to harvest wild rice right here a, a wow pull, here a push pull without hold on why is it turning a push pull without the connection like you don't have to connect it together so that's uh that's wow. something that we aim to find when we're out in the bush so um a lot of us are starting to prepare to do wild ricing uh minnesota wisconsin uh especially the indigenous folks there have uh, much more they're further along than we are here in Michigan. So here in Michigan, we are primarily, we have been the ones doing the wild harvesting up until uh, I would say a, a few years ago, a lot of other uh, non-indigenous people that came in and it's, uh, it's not bad or anything like that, but sometimes we do have some misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting too. Well, you just got back. We're, we're losing you. So let's just back up just a second real quick, Nathan. Sure. We only got a couple minutes on this. What you were showing, now you got to remember, we're a radio show. What you were showing was a uh, was a, a canoe made out of birch, right? Correct. And Correct. So, I, go ahead. So the canoe is made out of birch. And for those not who are not familiar with this, what we do is we go out in the woods and we stripped in a sustainable manner because the tree still lives. We strip birch off the tree at a certain time when it comes off very easily. We use spruce roots to tie uh, pieces together. We also have uh, slabs of cedar in there. And then we also use this thing called pine pitch, which was basically our ancestors crazy glue, which was uh, something that we used uh, bare fat, bare fat, um, ash, and pine sap itself. Some people throw in other things and that is what helped keep the glue. That's what helped keep it together. And then in the winter time, we would actually sink these in the water to preserve them. Um, wow. Hey, so they're, they're, so let's they're take a quick break. 
Go ahead. Nathan, let's take a quick break. We got to pay sure. uh, pay the bills. Uh, yep. We're here with Nathan Wright, and we're talking about ricing and canoeing and, and the way. I just want to bring something up, too, for you to think about. Since global warming here, we have a lot of rice growing at places that hasn't grown in a long time. Maybe we can talk a, a little bit about that because there's some spe- secret places in Minneapolis now where uh, wild rice hasn't grown for thousands of years that it's grown. We'll be right back. This is Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake. ho Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Metro Transit is proud to offer the free use of Ira for transit trips, an app that connects blind and low-vision customers to a live agent for navigation assistance. Ira can help you determine your location, read schedules, find your next transfer, navigate stations and platforms, and general trip planning, and is now available in Spanish. Learn more and download the app at aira.io. That's A-I-R-A dot I-O. As we emerge from the shadows of the pandemic, let us celebrate our resilience and embrace the path to a brighter future. While the COVID-19 emergency declaration may be over, our commitment to safety remains stronger than ever. We invite you to stand tall and protect what matters most, our health and the well-being of our loved ones and elders. The power to keep our community safe lies within each one of us. It's important to remember the basics when you're with someone who might be at risk of COVID complications. Wear your mask, wash your hands often, and take an at-home COVID test if you have any symptoms. We are a strong and interconnected community, and together we'll emerge from this challenge stronger than ever. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep the spirit of our Native American culture thriving. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by St. Paul Public Schools. Check them out at spps.org. Right on. Hey, we are here with Nathan Wright, and he's our friend from Michigan, and we're talking about the process of uh, ricing and uh, and how you do that in a good way. And it's really interesting. You kind of left off with uh, that you guys uh, sink the boats after you're done with them to preserve them. Yes, that's something that's been traditionally done. Um, uh, There's a story around here where someone, someone did that a few years ago, and they went back. And it was gone. So, so we're gonna have to rethink how we yeah. do that. Someone, someone grabbed it. Someone grabbed wow. it. So, so we uh, we have to rethink now. Like, find it, figure out a new way to do it without having it. Because these things, I mean, you know, as far as monetary value, uh, they're sold to museums for five thousand dollars. So they're they're kind of quite valuable. And they're, you know, at least we don't look at it that way. But if you want to put a monetary value on it, that's what it is. So. Uh, people and not put yeah. in the work yeah it's interesting uh and nathan uh what did you think about my uh response earlier about global warming and how uh it's really affected the rice where it's growing now because we had some issues here in minnesota with the drought the last couple of years yes uh we are kind of riding that wave a little bit because what we're trying to do here similar to what you guys are doing in minnesota is we're reestablishing some of those rice beds that we've heard about historically you know through reading some old documents where there used to be rice and then going to those areas and reseeding them and replanting them and we've been doing that for a couple decades now and we've seen the success of them we're finding more success with some of the rice that's from this area more so than the rice uh, that that we borrowed from uh, Wisconsin and, and um, Minnesota, which is interesting. Yeah, that's a. It's really it, physically you have to be kind of fit to be able to uh, 
physically fit to be able to rice, uh, you know, because you're pounding those sticks. Can you uh, kind of tell our audience uh, that are listening kind of the visual uh, with the with the sticks that you were talking about and what what they do with the rice and the boat? Sure, sure. So we basically have two sticks that are about three feet long. And we have one person that sits in the canoe and they're facing the other person. They'll take those sticks. There's different styles that people use, but they basically take one of those sticks, bring in some wild rice. I think we're having some technical difficulties real quick. Is that good right there? Yeah. Okay. So they bring in the wild rice with one arm and then they hit it with the other arm knock the stick some people hit the stick some people hit the rice that knocks the wild rice into the canoe or the jiman as we call it mm -hmm. then standing person that's using the i wonder why it's called a jiman is that a certain like a native to certain places like to michigan or what would we call it something else here Dega? Uh, i'm not sure that's what we call it here i would think you would call it the same there but that's in Ojibwe language and there might be some different variances but I don't know specifically what the word means but maybe some one of our viewers out there might know and they could add that underneath mm -hmm. so you have you have your push pole someone standing up that part right there Robert is what you're talking about where it's the hardest because you have to balance you're balancing you're pushing the pole you're struggling to get through the thick wild rice and um it is something that when you do it for the first time and you're Anishinaabe, you really, your spirit connects with your ancestors because you're literally doing exactly what your ancestors did, probably in the exact same place as well, if you're near one of the lakes of your ancestors. Yeah, that's a, just, uh, it's just amazing that it's still being done and done in a good way. And I mean, rice is gold, uh, we sell it at a Native Ritz Trading Post, and we get the, our rice from uh, Leech Lake, and that stuff is amazing. The color is beautiful. Yes. So here in Michigan, we have, uh, there's a company that's selling what they call wild rice, but it's really a mixture. And it's real cheap. It's something like three pounds for 10 bucks. And if you do wild ricing, you know that that's not what, it's a lot more expensive than that because there's a lot of work that goes into it. And that's a great example that in Minnesota, the indigenous people there, the, the have, have these wild rice industries set up and they're selling wild rice. And here in Michigan, we don't have anything like that yet. So we're working on legislation that we're trying to get passed this fall that will make Monoman be a uh, grain, a state mm -hmm. grain. Once we have that, we're going to be able to provide some of our indigenous teachings of how we've done wild racing and share that with other people so we could make it more sustainable for everybody and uh, continue to increase uh, planting the wild rice seed and continue to educate people on how to properly harvest it in a sustainable manner. You know, when you talk about uh, wild racing, I also thinking about, you know, when we do sugar bush too, uh, the, these ingenious things that, uh, we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years that are still happening and, and keeping going, uh, like, uh, like you are Nathan. And I want to give you a big shout out on that because that's important. That's, uh, things that, uh, our young ones need to learn and, and keep it going. So I, I just, uh, appreciate that. It, it's a really great thing to participate in, especially, I, I don't know anyone that has, that's Anishinaabe or, or any, you know, local indigenous community that uh, it wasn't like a, a moving experience for them, you know, a very spiritual experience that connected them to their roots and ancestors. It is a lot of hard work, but it's really good hard work. Uh, I wouldn't even approach it as being hard work. I'd approach it as being, this is what my ancestors did. And they're kind of communicating with me in a way by me being out there. Cause I do think, you feel yeah i agree you know i agree that you feel a f feel a certain way when you do things that the ancestors i i feel that way when we're walking places mm -hmm. you see the bent trees uh that are around for all all over you know because in the mounds you know in wisconsin there's all those uh, beautiful mounds there too uh you know with animals in them it's just 
I I, re- I feel really connected when when I hear and see and touch those things. For sure. And f- so anyone that's out there that's interested in learning about it, certainly check with your local communities to see if anyone's going out and certainly come on out and enjoy. And, and we harvest some seeds uh, that we use for replanting. And then, of course, we uh, donate a lot of our wild rice to the elders and the community so they could have some really good meals. And it's really to me, it's more about the whole experience. It's not even, a, so there's been a couple of years I went out and I've just donated all my rice. I wasn't even. You know, and it's interesting too, Nathan. Um, I don't know if we got a, like a minute in this or a couple minutes left in this segment. I'm wondering if you can just talk about the Ishinabi's, uh story about uh, looking for, uh, until they found food that uh, was on water. If you could just give us a quick Reader's Digest uh Sure. So a lot of, as a lot of us know, uh, a lot of our creation stories, we started from the St. Lawrence Seaway, the mouth of it. And we were told to go inland to where the food grows on water. And there's a couple different versions of this story. Um, some say there was like a blue mega shell that appeared up in the sky. And whenever that blue mega shell rose, that meant we needed to travel inward into the Great Lakes to find this wild rice. So uh, these ended up being our migration stopping points until we got all the way into um, uh, La Pointe, which is now Madeline Island. But there was all these different stopping points along the way. And it was interesting how something guided us to uh, basically save us from starvation because wild rice manumen became a very important food for our, our, our people as well as it is now. It has all the nutrients in it, it's a superfood. And if more of our people started to gather it and eat it, it would really resolve a lot of our own health issues that we're suffering from now. We've moved so far away from our diets that we used Mm -hmm. to traditionally eat that our bodies are demanding from us. Like Mm -hmm. like in our area in Bawatine, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, we had whitefish all the time. Our main source of protein was whitefish. And so that's why you know, that's part of the reason why I do the environmental uh, concerns is because I'm a wild forager and I see the effects of pollution. I see the uh, potential effects of like an oil pipeline leaking like line five. And I'm saying, hey, hey, we got to do something because we're not going to be able to continue on our culture traditions and also eat our good food that we need for our bodies without taking care of our environment. Absolutely. And I wonder too, uh, we're going to, we're about to hit a, a break here. I'm wondering if you can just come back and give us a, a quick update too on what's happening in line five, because I know it's getting up there too in Wisconsin, our, our relatives in Wisconsin. And uh, it's the things that we're hearing about the drought and the pipes and, and things like that. And hopefully you can give us a, a quick update of what's happening because it's, it's not good. You know, it's so, Hey, We're here with Nathan Wright, and we're going to talk a little bit about Line 5, the pipelines in Michigan and Wisconsin by Embridge, who here put in Line 3. And uh, we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. ho Be a vaccinative. It's time to come together and talk about the urgent need to stay up to date on COVID-19 vaccinations to protect our heritage, our loved ones, and our future. Throughout history, we have always faced challenges, and today we must protect our culture and loved ones. This is our opportunity to ensure that our tribal gatherings once again resound with joy and celebration where the echoes of our ancestors guide our steps. It's a chance to care for our elders, cherishing their wisdom and stories for generations to come. COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. Let us unite resilient as ever and show the world the strength of the Native American community. Together, we shape a future where our traditions thrive, our children learn from our ancestors, and our people flourish once more. So be a vaccinative and learn more about staying up to date with your COVID vaccinations at health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. 
Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live and and let howl. Affordable, healthy, and culturally appropriate food is accessible right in the heart of the American Indian Cultural Corridor at Four Sisters Farmer's Market. They embrace inclusivity and accessibility at Four Sisters, accepting SNAP and EBT benefits, market bucks, guest produce market bucks, cash, and cards. So enjoy the abundance of fresh food regardless of your payment method at Four Sisters Farmer's Market. Open Thursdays until October from 11 to 3 at 1414 East Franklin Avenue. More at NACD.org and tell them Native Ritz Radio sent you. Hey, this is Robert Pilot. I taught in St. Paul Public Schools for over 25 years, and I want you to join the team and make a difference in our children's future. Right now, St. Paul Public Schools is offering hiring and retention bonuses up to $10,000 for a variety of teaching and classroom support positions for the next school year. Grow in a supportive and fulfilling public school setting. Limited bonuses are available, so don't delay. Apply at SPPS.org slash careers. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. In this critical time for Indian country, voting is crucial to protecting the land, water, and communities. Voting creates collective power in securing our planet's future amid climate chaos. Engage in personal conversations with loved ones to ensure they are making informed voting choices. Register to vote. And don't forget that 16- and 17-year-olds can pre-register to vote in Minnesota. NACTI is asking us to stand together and make voting a tradition. Go to NACTI.org to learn more and make your pledge to vote. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilio. Cloudy skies tonight with a low of 69, then hot sunshine Wednesday with a high of 91. Get paid to upgrade. Warner Stellion will buy your appliance for $50 during our trade-in sale. No one else saves you more time from shopping to free professional delivery like Warner Stellion. Put us to the test. Shop Minnesota family-owned warnerstellion.com. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by NACTI's Four Sisters Farmers Market, running every Thursday on Franklin Avenue in the American Indian Cultural Corridor from 11 to 3. I'll be there. Hopefully you'll be there, Haley, and I know uh, other people will be there. It's always a great place to to gather and talk and share and uh, buy some really healthy food uh, from people like uh, the Four Sisters Market, uh, Dream of Wild Health, all those, yeah. all those great organizations that are there. Plus, uh, we got vendors and things like that. So it's a, an exciting thing. Hey, we're here with Nathan Wright. Uh, just gonna uh, quickly uh, follow up here, uh, and uh, I know Nathan's busy here, so we want to really uh, be conscious of his time. But that, do you have? Uh, can you give us an update of what's going on in Michigan and maybe even a little Wisconsin about with what's happening with Line Five? I'll try to focus mainly in Michigan um, because we got a lot of stuff, as you say, going on all throughout the pipeline. Uh, The the bad thing that happened was the Army Corps of Engineers, they limited their scope of of um, what the Army Corps of Engineers is going to consider and review, which is really unfortunate because that makes it easier for Enbridge to get their tunnel put in. So we're still, you know, being hopeful with that. But that was that was a recent announcement that happened around mid 
gosh, I just hate, I just, I don't know if that's a good word to use, but I just dislike Enbridge so much, you know. Right, right. And you can do action too. You can call the White House at 202-456-6111 and demand stopping line five as well. And and the other part I wanted to mention is that we have a big, we have line three people coming in from Minnesota and Wisconsin to walk across the bridge this Labor Day weekend. So we're looking forward to having them. We have a ton of events planned. The Water is Life Festival is going on that weekend. So Monday is when we're going to walk across the bridge. That's a normal thing we do every year here in Michigan on the Mackinac Bridge. So we definitely are looking forward to seeing our relatives from over in Minnesota and Wisconsin to join us so we could uh, do some Line 5 um, uh, protection and uh, visit with each other and strategize and, and – uh, also celebrate celebrate the the weekend as well. Yes, uh, that that's awesome. And maybe you can uh, let our audience know a little bit too about when you're talking about the tunnel and the bridge, real quick, just to to give a, a quick update on that and what that is. Sure, sure. So the Mackinac Bridge, right next to it, there's uh, two tunnels by Line Five that go under, uh, right near Mackinac Bridge, and the pipeline is over seventy years old. Enbridge is focused publicly on replacing or building a you know Mackinac bridge building a tunnel next to the Mackinac bridge so they can keep these pipelines within the tunnel but they're really not addressing the whole issue which is the entire pipeline which goes through almost most of Michigan and of course uh, into Wisconsin and and Minnesota it 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 needs to all be replaced. So it's just kind of almost like a political thing for them to pretend we're going to build this tunnel. But yeah. the reality is it's not. Right. Well, Nathan, uh, we need uh, more updates from you. It's really good to see you. And I know you're a busy person, and but we really appreciate it. You know, we're all over Turtle Island and it's great to get updates about what you're doing, but also with Line 5. So I really appreciate you coming on. Well, I thank you, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I just I want to give a shout out to the Michigan Anishinaabek Caucus, which is uh, behind working on our wild rice legislation, amongst many other things that uh, pertain to Indigenous people here in Michigan. So I want to say chimigwich for them for the work, the hard work they've been doing. Yeah, and anything else too. I, I just want to remind people too when they're when they're buying things that are you know you talked about that a little bit, and I know like on Amazon.com you can buy wild rice for really cheap too. But where are they getting this? Where is this coming from? So I always ask, who made this? Where did this come from when you see stuff like that? But any any last words, Nathan? No, other than just that you're right. There's We need to support our indigenous uh, brothers and sisters who are working really hard to harvest wild rice. Not only does it taste better than some of that fake wild rice out there or the yeah. wild rice that's mixed with others, it's actually... Oh, we just lost you, Nathan. So uh, I don't know what happened there, but uh, always great to have a great report uh, a report from you, Nathan. We don't have any audio from you right now, but uh, uh, what a, what a it's it's just awesome to have Nathan come on and uh, good to see you again. And that's uh, do this again real soon, Pinigigi. Nathan is waving. <laughs> all right that's awesome nathan rocks and uh he you know it's, it's so cool because in the in the past uh do you remember that time that he did a live shoot at a lake when it was really cold yes i believe that was the last time we actually had him on and that was a couple <laughs> it was a few months ago um i'm sure like right when the ice was coming off of the lakes and we were talking about what cold water does and how good that is for the mind body and the soul yeah, and you know, there's uh, some native women I know here in the cities that uh, do that too, and it's and it's and it is a thing as Nathan was uh, was showing us. But I, I just think it's really fun and funny too because um, Nathan. Uh, it used to be when we'd call Nathan, he had this great studio at home and he sounded like perfect and he had a nice background and everything. But now he's on the spot. Now he was at a lake today, and that's why he was coming in and out like that. But uh, and but he was showing us the canoe, the sticks that they use. I, I was excited to see the, the canoe. I did not know. I want. I wanted to ask how long 
uh, would it take to handcraft something like that? And is it so it's a two person canoe, then I take it because you have to have two people to harvest wild rice. Yeah, well, at least depending on how big the boat is, right? But I do believe you're correct when it comes to that because it's like, uh, you know, you got somebody uh, manning the or, or personing the boat, I should say, uh, like rowing, and then you got going through all this high, you know, looks like grass in the water, but it's got rice in it, and then the sticks pound it, and then they go into the boat or into the canoe. And then you have a whole canoe full of rice. And then you got to go to the next step where you're husking it and then cooking it. And there's a lot to it, you know. And, uh, but that first part, you know, of knocking it with the sticks into the boat, that's, uh, that's an amazing, amazing thing. And it, you look at stuff like that that they've been doing for so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Who came right. up with that? <laughs> how did they? Right. How did they go? You know, this, this. Let's try and eat this. But right. I guess that's everything, right? Yeah, everything that you come across, or our ancestors did back when they were foraging in the woods, and and good on them for knowing what what we can eat and what we can't. All right. Hey, and I just want to remind too. We got a few more minutes in the segment. Uh, Haley is that. It's uh, Red Lake is doing their thing up north, and their uh, marijuana has become legal in Minnesota. Cheering and dancing at Red Lake Dispensary is as uh, is the, the headline from the Star Tribune here in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, along with uh, uh, Trump's charged over efforts to overturn 2020 election laws. So. They're going at him with this now, so um, we'll see if anything sticks because he is the—he is like the Teflon Don. <laughs> you know, there was a <laughs> Teflon Don, but nothing really sticks when uh, they've impeached him. His people still love him, so it's a cult. It's just an amazing thing that amazing time we're living in. So it's just—it's right. It's yeah, it's that's something. pretty wild. Yeah. Well, we can talk. We can talk about. Um, the moon ceremony. When yeah. you sent uh, when you sent that to me yesterday, I was like, "Well, what is a moon ceremony, and why would they need young men to come keep the fire?" So that's why mm -hmm. I had to do some research on what a moon ceremony was because I wasn't sure if it was for young men. And then come to find out, it's mainly for young women, which I thought was mm -hmm. really cool. So I had to I had to look up the native teachings um, mm -hmm. are about a way of life with the moon and uh it is grandmother moon is what we call her mm -hmm. um so native people know that everything in creation has spirit the plants the trees the water the wind the rocks and the mountains have spirit the sky world including the moon and other planets also have spirit all of these things are part of our first family the natural world and the cycles of the moon determine our yearly calendar that changes that come with each passing moon indicate the times for planting, harvesting, hunting, and gathering. In the, in the Anishinaabe calendar, the names of each month include the word moon and reflect the close connection between the cycles of the moon and the plant and animal life on Turtle Island. So there's January is called the spirit moon. And then Feb February is the bear moon. March is the sugar moon and so on. So all the 12 months have a different moon in which we connect with. Um, and the female, female energy, the grandmother moon, it is said that the grandmother moon watches over the waters of the earth. And we see this in her regulating of the tides in the same way that a young woman would regulate her menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very cool. And I think that when they ask to um, bring like a copper cup to the ceremony or like a hair mm -hmm. bundle, for instance, that all kind of ties into the ritual and the ceremony in, in tying that in with the earth in our natural ways. Right. And one of our, our uh, favorite listeners, uh, watchers here on Facebook, put uh, there's two moons in August and one's a full moon. And one's a blue moon, and uh, we appreciate uh, appreciate you uh, schooling us on that too, because that term "once in a blue moon" is once in a long time. So I think I'm not sure how often blue moons happen, but uh, 
I know it's getting to be that harvest moon too, and that was a thing with farmers. You know, the moon right. was out, and they could still harvest uh, late in the evening. Yes. So get out there, experience the full moon, and uh, take in all the healing powers that uh, Grandmother Moon has to offer. Absolutely. You know, one thing too, I'll just uh, touch on this real quick before we get going, is um, that uh, that poster said that, you know, uh, young men are welcome to tend to the fire. And there's always a fire, uh, a sacred fire, uh, when it comes to funerals. Uh, there's, yeah, uh, all ceremonies. Right. And right. right. I was going to name them, but you're right. <laughs> you're right. I know. It's like powwows. I feel like every type of uh, native ceremony you have to have. Well, you know, fire, your elements. Right. Powwows aren't ceremonies. It's it, it's like, you know, uh, sacred things. Powwows is more of a social thing, as you know, and uh, and everyone's invited to that. But when it comes to, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a group of women that show up to this that go to it all the time, you know what I mean, or once every month. So they have their crew and, and there's a lot of healing going on that needs to be going on. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. And it's great that our community is still doing things that we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years. Absolutely. Great chance to cleanse yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Absolutely. Hey, up next, uh, Wendy with our sacred animal section. Uh, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Stay with us. I'm woke. Ho-wa. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. The Powderhorn Art Fair is returning to Powderhorn Park to celebrate its 32nd anniversary, August 5th and 6th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. The fair will feature a vibrant and diverse selection of art from over 150 exhibiting artists from across the country. Whether you're just starting an art collection or a seasoned buyer, they'll have the perfect piece for you. Plus, there's more. Immersive art installations offer fairgoers a chance to explore interactive experiences that transport them into an artist's vision. In addition to all the fantastic art, over a dozen food vendors serving up sweet and savory delights will be ready for you and other hungry fairgoers. A family zone will offer creative activities for kids of all ages and entertainment each day. The fair and activities are free to attendees. Make plans to head to Powderhorn Park on August 5th and 6th. Learn more at powderhornartfair.com. Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. Wow, that was fun. Hey, that's uh, uh, it, Wendy has uh, sent us another piece here, and she'll be home tonight, and we'll work her to death here back on the radio show, but we're really appreciative. Uh, can't wait to hear this piece, but... Uh, so, Haley, let's uh, uh, listen to uh, Wendy. Wendy, uh, take it away. 
Hey, thank you, Robert. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. I have an article here today from the Beagle Freedom Project. And the Beagle Freedom Project is the world's leading organization for rescuing and rehoming animals used in experimental research. Since 2010, they have liberated thousands of animals while working to end their abuse through education, advocacy, and legislation. Together, they are moving closer to a world without animal testing. Hooray for them. Did you know a beagle's entire anatomy plays a role in their strong sense of smell? Their soft, beautiful ears are super cute, but have you ever noticed they reach all the way to their nose? This helps them collect scent particles and keep them close to their nostrils. Their shorter legs and longer neck help them comfortably bring their nose to the ground, a favorite pastime of beagles. But most fascinating of all is that the nose itself, which has 220 million scent receptors, which is 45 times more than a human. Their olfactory lobe, the part of the brain responsible for scent, is 40 40 times larger than a human's. How cool is that? While all of this is fascinating, it is extra heartbreaking when you consider a beagle's life in a laboratory. As if this unnecessary abuse wasn't cruel enough, imagine how much harder it is with these nose superpowers. These constant smell smells of filth, stress, bodily fluids, chemicals, and other laboratory scents overwhelms our furry friends. So the Beagle Freedom Project is working together to end animal testing once and for all. So you could visit Beagle Freedom Project or just go to bfp.org for more information. They're always looking for help and donations. They also came up with legislation. The Beagle Freedom Bill is their signature piece of legislation that mandates that all healthy dog and cat survivors of research experiments must be placed up for public adoption. It has already passed in six states, California, Nevada, Minnesota, yay, Minnesota, Illinois, New York, and Connecticut. And it is uh, pending in a dozen more of these um, states. So we're excited um, that they're able to get that legislation done. But why are beagles used for lab experiments? And here's an article that tells really the history. At Beagle Freedom Project, we are often asked the same question by elected officials, members of the media, and general public. Why is it that beagles are the breed of dog that make up the vast majority of dogs used in laboratories worldwide? We consulted scientific and industrial journals and quickly learned that beagles are the preferred breed because of their good behavioral characteristics, size, and other physical traits, as well as their docile temperament. In other words, the very same characteristics that make beagles wonderful companion animals and beloved members of the family make them vulnerable victims for laboratory experiments. But we wanted to dig a little bit deeper than this. There are plenty of dogs that have gentle disposition. disposition. So how is it precisely that beagles became the breed of choice in animal experiments? I'm going to bring up the answer right now. Uh, in the first, the first in, uh, institution anywhere in the world that intentionally decided to experiment on beagles specifically was the University of Utah. The first eight beagles were purchased by the University of Utah on April 3, 1951 from Mr. A. Clyde Clark, a dog breeder in Weston, West Virginia, who was affiliated with the West Fork Beagle Club. 
Several more beagles were procured from various backyard breeders in the Salt Lake City area. By March 1, 1952, the university had acquired a total of 61 beagle, beagles for breeding, and the beagle pro, uh, breeding program started immediately. Dogs were bred after their first estrus, and laboratory personnel performed cesarean sections on the beagles the moment in utero puppies were viable. This allowed the mothers to be quickly re-impregnated in order to obtain the maximum yield of puppies. By June 1953, the colony had already grown to 175 beagles. By 1955, there were 309 beagles in a space designed for no more than 200 dogs. Laboratory, laboratory personnel described the conditions as seriously overcrowded. To contain costs, the dogs were fed horse meat. By 1960, more than 671 beagle puppies had been bred for the use in the University of Utah's deadly radioactive toxicity experiments. All 671 were bred from just 32 breeding pairs. So that is the history of why beagles were the dog of choice um, for experiments. Now, I talk about this all the time on the radio and to everybody I talk to and see. Uh, I have a free app on my phone. It's called Cruelty Cutter, and you can find it in the app store. Just put it on. It's for free. And you, could, you can scan barcodes when you go to the store for any cosmetic that you buy or any product for that matter, and it will tell you whether the product was tested on animals or not. Um, the good thing about the app is if you find a product, which you will, because practically everything is still tested on animals, which is really sad, um, it will give you an alternative product that you can use um, that has not been tested on animals. So I use that anytime I go into the drugstore and I need a new mascara, for instance. I will scan them all until I find um, one that is not tested on animals. So get that app on your phone, Cruelty Cutter, and use it when you go shopping. With that, Robert, back to you, and thanks, as always, for letting me talk about our sacred animals. Right on, Wendy. Peeny Gigi, thank you so much. Uh, really good information. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, testing on animals is just a thing you don't really need to do. This is 2023, and uh, uh, it makes me sad and, and to think that uh, they deal with our our relatives this way. So really good report, right, Haley? Absolutely. Always good. Good reports from Wendy, as usual. Yeah. So what do we got cooking tomorrow? Do we know? Or do we just, you know, shoot from our hip, I think? Oh, we go with the flow here at Native Roots Radio. <laughs> right on. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> right on. Hey, yes. if, you're, if you're listening to the show, you are part of the resistance. From Chief Plenty Coops, the ground in which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office, vote. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now. And happy Cannabis Legalization Day, Minnesota. Have fun and be safe.